grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in preparation for today's Pet Sunday, I've been reading this gorgeous book by Debbie Blue called Consider the Birds, a Provocative Guide to the Birds of the Bible, which weaves together Bible stories, Christian traditions, spiritual insight, and more about birds than I knew there was to know. Uh, And it's been a real delight to read. I highly recommend it. And as the title suggests, there are lots of stories about birds in the Bible. Did you hear all the references to the birds in the Noah story this morning? talks about two by two, they come into the ark, but again and again, very specifically, it said, the birds, the birds and all winged creatures. Blue says in her book that birds are everywhere in the Bible from start to finish. God hovers over the face of the water in Genesis. The ancient rabbis suggest like a bird. Birds gorge on the flesh of the defeated beast in Revelation. They are the currency of mercy, the birds of sacrifice. They bring bread to the prophets. They are food for the wanderers. Abraham has to shoo them away from his offering, and a pigeon goes with Jesus on his first visit to the temple. God is a bird, God is a bird who carries the Israelites on her wings, a bird under whose feathers we will find refuge. Jesus compares himself to a hen. He even tells us to consider the birds. And each chapter of the book, chapter by chapter, she takes a different bird that is talked about in the Bible and kind of delves into it and explores it. She talks about pigeons, which are also akin to doves. Uh, And she asks, what if the Spirit of God descends like a pigeon, somehow always underfoot, routinely ignored, often despised? She talks about the pelican, which in the Christian tradition was a symbol for Christ's sacrificial love because the pelican was believed to nip at its own breast to uh, feed its young. She talks about quail as um, a sign of God's extravagant care. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were hungry, God sent manna, bread from heaven, but also sent quail for them to eat. She talks about the eagle as a symbol of our commitment to hope when God promises us to raise us up on eagle's wings and talks about the sparrow. Jesus reminds us that not one of these little creatures is forgotten by God. She talks about the rooster that crows three times to mark Peter's denial, the hen that Jesus refers to as a symbol of God's motherly love, and the raven. Of course, we know that there are birds in the Bible Like later on in the Noah story, Noah sending out the dove to see if the waters of the flood had receded, but often our attention is drawn to other places, to the human characters, and onto the bigger elements of the story, like the ark and the flood. And the birds just kind of flitter past our view in the background as we read. But Blue invites her readers to watch more closely, not only to the birds of the Bible, but to the birds that we encounter in our daily lives today. And in doing so, she says, we open ourselves to the grace and to the mystery of God. She says this, she says, falling in love and identifying birds have similar effects. Normal life is altered. Every experience heightened. And what was mundane begins to explode with meaning. You think birds are just birds, undifferentiated, fluttering, and then you find one magnified in your lens. You recognize its unique markings, lines, and color. Your heart pounds. 
It is a cerulean warbler. It is your new mate. I believe both things have equal power to change your life, she says. And she goes on. She says, people identify with birds. We watch them, research them, tell stories about them, and in the process we explore our humanity and inhumanity, mystery and manners. They're funny and dirty, noble and shifty, much like us. Once you start looking for birds, you will find them everywhere. In your bushes, of course, but they are also in alleys and mines and caves. I believe it is the same with the grace of God. When you start paying attention, you'll discover it in places you hadn't noticed it before. Like the songs of the birds, God's grace is like a song that is constantly being sung, always singing, always calling us, always blessing us. It's just that we need to pay attention so that we can receive it. All this reading about birds uh, dislodged a childhood memory for me this week um, about my family's most unusual pet. Uh, I've had dogs as an adult, and I had hamsters growing up. Uh, But for a while as a kid, our family had a pet bird, a robin, that we called Tweety. (laughs) And we found Tweety in the backyard of our little townhouse in Arbutus, Maryland, when I was a kid. It was a baby bird who apparently had fallen out of the nest and had no family around. And so we took him in, him or her, I can't tell. We took Tweety in and we created a nest in a shoebox and we fed Tweety raw ground beef in place of worms. And as Tweety got bigger, we would place him on a branch of our small dogwood tree at the end of our yard, which wasn't that big, but it was the end of our yard. And we would call over to him, Tweety, Tweety. And he would fly from the dogwood tree to our, and land on our fingers. And we would feed it. It was pretty amazing for a seven-year-old kid. It's amazing that my mom let us do that. <laughs> she liked animals that were in cages and self-contained. Um, but we watched Tweety grow up from this little baby bird to this full robin. When he sat on our finger, we could feel how light he was, but also how strong he gripped our fingers, um, and we watched his feathers come in, and we tended him like a mother in place of his own. And then one day, of course, Tweety flew away into the big wide world, and we never saw him again. Um, And we missed him, but we were happy to have helped him grow big enough and strong enough and confident enough to go and fly. That's the thing about caring for our pets and animals. You know, sometimes it's truly profound Sometimes it's truly silly. I mean, how many dog toys does my dog really need? But it's also kind of a spiritual practice, too. First, I think it invites us to notice the world. It invites us to pause in wonder. Like when deer walk across our front lawn, everything in my house stops. The kids and the adults run to the front windows with our faces plastered. And we just watch as the deer saunter from one side of our lawn to the other. Or like the other day when I pulled into my driveway and there was a groundhog noshing on grass, just couldn't be bothered by me. So I put the car in park, rolled down my window, and just watched as he sat there, eating away. Or when the fox in our backyard beyond our back fence lets out that high-pitched fox shriek, to let our dog Charlie know that 
this is his territory back here and not even to mess around with him. Or when the red-tailed hawk flies over our house, we stop, we pause, we appreciate, and we receive the moment. And it invites us to see the world through someone's or some things else's eyes, uh, which is not the easiest thing to do with people, to see the world through their eyes. But somehow it seems a little easier and more inviting to do it through our pets and animals. Second, it invites us to care for God's creation. As we heard in Genesis, um, well, earlier in Genesis, God fills the world with animals and creatures of every kind, and we're called to be caretakers and stewards of that creation, like Noah and his family. And surely we need to do a better job of it. But caring for creation and thinking about that at a global level, though necessary, often feels so out of reach for us in our everyday lives. Um, But caring for our pets and animals is a way of practicing the care of creation in small daily ways that I think help us to have empathy for other animals and for creation that draw us into a more deeply and broadly caring relationship with all of creation beyond just our own dog or cat or hermit crab or horse or honeybees. Third, I think, it draws us into a practice of unconditional love. Um, Someone once gave me a magnet that said, if your dog thinks you're the greatest, don't ask for a second opinion. (laughs) And and that's our Charlie dog. Uh, Charlie's not that bright, but he is full of love for our family. And he, like other pets, probably like your pets, has this simple, uncomplicated, and unconditional love for us. Uh, They love us. He loves us just because. He's thrilled to see us when we walk in the door. He's happy to spend simple time with us. And he reads our emotions and responds with empathy. And that is an invitation for us to do the same, to respond in kind. And that practice of daily unconditional love helps us to love the humans in our lives, and our world more and better. Finally, in our second reading from Isaiah, we are given this classic image of the peaceable kingdom. It's an image where the lion lays down with the lamb, an image of peace where natural predators and prey are at peace with one another. It says, The wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, the snake, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And for me, that is part of why we do and what we will do later at Pet Sunday. We here, if only for an hour, embody that peaceable kingdom with animals of all kinds as we gather together in the presence of God. It's a foretaste when we in the world will be at peace in our daily lives together with our pets and all together gathered here this morning. We see the kingdom of God in our midst and We're invited to take life and love and peace and unity out into the world, the world God created and called good, and to make it a more peaceful and loving place.
Amen.